Hey, Valley family, this is week number five in our SWAT series, Spiritual Warfare and Tactics, and we're looking at the armor of God, and today uh, we're going to be looking at the helmet of salvation. And so before we start, big shout out to our Valley Poughkeepsie people, our Valley Poughkeepsie family. We love you guys. It's so awesome. One church, multiple locations. It was great to be with you uh, last week, and I especially want to give a big shout out uh, to all of our shifters, those that were in Hopewell that shifted to Poughkeepsie. You're helping us out so much. You're serving Jesus by serving the Valley family because you shifted up there, made room for more people here in Hopewell, and it's filling in for sure. Let me start off by asking this question. Uh, how many of you, you know, probably talking to the men, obviously, uh, how many of you played football back in the day? Okay, four. That's great. Um, you, you know, how many of you would ever think about playing football without a helmet on? You, I mean, actually, like going in the game without a helmet, everyone else has one. You'd never do that, would you? No, uh, I mean, that's almost like suicide when, when you think about it. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the helmet of salvation uh, in this fifth week of our series as we look at uh, the armor of God. And, and so real quick, let me do a little review because just as in football, a helmet is so critical and so important, it's so important for you and for me when it comes to spiritual warfare and really being victorious and living the life that Jesus came to give you and me to live that life to the fullest, abundant life fulfilling God's plan and purpose. So real quick, if you have your Valley apps, listen, you're going to want to open those up. We've got a bunch of additional notes. I'm not going to have time to cover today, but actually just a whole process that you can work through and work with this week. So, so please go ahead and open up your Valley apps loaded full of information this week. So a quick review, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 11, the Bible says, put on the full armor of God. Don't leave anything out. Don't, don't go out without your helmet. We're going to find out today. So that you can take care, so that you, you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then dropping down uh, into verse 14, Ephesians 6 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We talked about this in week one. Truth is at the core. The truth is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so it starts with the belt. You would think something else. This is not just a fashion statement, the belt of truth. It is believing the truth about what God says. Uh, his opinion on anything and everything is the truth. So with the belt of truth first, buckled around your waist, then the breastplate of righteousness. What is righteousness? When, when we align our lives with God's expectations, and that is the breastplate of righteousness, and it sits on the belt of truth. It hooks onto the belt of truth. So that was week number two. And then uh, have that in place. And then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We talked about putting on your boots uh, the gospel of peace. What does it mean to have peace and live in peace? That was week number three. And then we, uh, it goes on and it says... In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. And boy, didn't Pastor Randy do a fantastic job talking about picking up the shield of faith. And I love that where he talked about even the turtle formation when we come in tight with other believers and, and, and it protects us. So the importance of picking up that shield of faith. If we don't use faith, it doesn't benefit us in any way. If we don't pick up that shield. So you say we need to pick that up because it will, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, that's where we're going to be today, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so I've got a little uh, helmet here today. This is a, a 
This is one of my favorite just treasured possessions. This is a Georgia Bulldog helmet, uh, football helmet. I, I love the Georgia Bulldogs. I was born in Georgia, lived there for the first part of my life, uh, and, and then my family moved up here. My dream was to play for the Georgia Bulldogs. That was my dream in high school, and, and so this is very cherished. God had a different plan. It was actually a little, uh, I could have had the opportunity, but God had a different plan there. And, and so this is still a treasured possession of mine that someone got for me. Uh, actually, I think the church bought this for me, Elena, like my 10-year anniversary of being the pastor here. This is a real authentic uh, Rydell helmet from real, really back in the 90s is, is what it is. A lot of technology has changed, but uh, you know, a lot of things have changed about football, even about the helmets. I, I remember when I was playing football in high school in the 80s, uh, we even had drills. Some of our drills that we would do in practice, one was called the Nutcracker. What was that all about? It was about cracking somebody's head open, uh, the nutcracker, and another one was bull in the ring where, where the coach would call a number, you'd get in the middle, there'd be 10 guys around, he'd throw you the football, and you had to get out. Ten, you know, one on 10 or something like that. Uh, by the way, both those drills are now illegal in 50 states of the United States uh, because of so many injuries, so many concussions. And uh, I wish I had my old high school helmet uh, from John Jay, but they didn't let us keep them uh, back then. But uh, I, I'm thankful for a helmet. I, I actually had a couple of concussions, one at Carmel High School. Uh, actually, I was literally knocked unconscious as a quarterback. Uh, laid on the field for about five, ten minutes, and I don't remember anything. That was in the second quarter. I don't remember anything until I kind of came to late in the third quarter, uh, but I played, and uh, uh, a little different back in those days. It was like if you, you know, could say how many fingers the, the uh, coach was holding up, he'd put you back in the game, and I was not unconscious, played out on my feet, literally, and as uh, Fate would have it. Actually, that was the best game I ever played in my career uh, at Carmel High School when I had been knocked unconscious and don't even remember half the game. Uh, so I'm thankful for the helmet. Never would think about going out on the field without one of these. But so many times as Christians, we think about going about our day without putting on the helmet of salvation. And so it's really, really important that we don't forget our helmet. Don't forget your helmet. Because it's dangerous if you forget the helmet of salvation. Uh, things aren't going to go well for you. And things wouldn't go well for a football player if he forgot his helmet as well. And so that's what I want to talk about and look at what the scripture has to say about the helmet of salvation. Now here's one of the cool things about the helmet of salvation. We made this point earlier. The armor of God is God's armor. It's not armor that he created for you, he created for me. It's his armor, and I think it's important we, we picture this, that he takes off and he gives to you, and he gives to me. In fact, look at even what the Bible uh, talks about here, the fact that God is the divine warrior. God is a divine warrior, and, and, and he takes off his armor, his equipment, if you will, and he says, this is what you need, Greg, this is what you need, Charles, this is, this is what you need, Jill, uh, to be successful. And, and look at what it actually says in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17, in the Old Testament, it says, he, that's speaking of God, put on righteousness as his breastplate. See, this wasn't the first time these things were even talked about. Even the, the prophet Isaiah sees this armor that God has, this divine warrior. And it says, he put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. On his head. So, 
When it comes to the helmet of salvation, when it comes to all the armor of God, it's like God takes it off his head and says, here, Greg, you wear this. You wear the helmet of salvation. You wear my helmet. And I remember back in high school, man, I was really always uptight about my helmet. And, and uh, funny, I was just thinking about it. I remember on the away games, we'd be driving back on the bus, and all the guys that played defense, they'd be talking about all the sticks they had. Because we had white helmets back then with blue face mask and, and blue stripe on them, blue logo, John J. Patriots. And uh, they'd be like, oh, look at this. We were played, you know, Spring Valley got orange here, and Ramapo got yellow here and all. And, and then I would hold up my helmet. <laughs> And I beat them all because my helmet had every single solitary color on it because I was an option quarterback and I just got the crud beat out of me every single game. And so my helmet hardly looked white. Uh, it, it took a lot of abuse uh, and really keeping me safe most of the time except at Carmel High School. And so God is like, he's taking his helmet off here and the helmet of salvation on his head and he put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal with his cloak. God himself is a divine warrior. And Isaiah is talking about him taking off his helmet, him taking off his breastplate of righteousness that we looked at, and he gives them to you and to me. And he goes to war. He wants us to go to war against our enemies. He's a divine warrior, and we follow after him. And that's what Paul is drawing on, this imagery. Uh, that's where the helmet of salvation comes from. So a big question I think that we need to answer is this. What is salvation? What is salvation? Because that word salvation can be a real churchy word, you know. And, and uh, sometimes we hear it so much, but we don't really realize what it is. Uh, in the New Testament, which is, is written in classic Greek, uh, the, the word uh, save, to save, is the Greek word sozo. Sozo. And, uh, and also the word salvation, that we get our word salvation from, is the Greek word soteria. And it literally means, and this is pretty cool, rescue to deliver. Soteria also means well-being and health. See, salvation brings us spiritual health. God rescued us. He has our well-being in mind. We discover what life was really meant to be like when we live life the way God created it to be lived. That's salvation. When we're forgiven, he rescued us from our sin. And, and so there's two important points, I think, when it comes to answering the question, what is salvation? The first is this, Jesus came to save you from your sins. Jesus came to rescue me, to save me from my sins, to rescue you, to save you from your sins. God is a holy God, and God is also a loving God, and, and these two things were reconciled at the cross. That on the cross, and we're going to be celebrating that coming up, Good Friday, I invite you to come out 5 and 7 o'clock in Hopewell. It's a totally different uh, service, different experience uh, than, than Easter. It's here in Hopewell. We'll look at the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We're going to share communion together. That's absolutely free. We encourage you to come. We'll have uh, also teaching for the kids, just like on a Sunday. That's what happened at the cross, that Jesus took not only the paid the price for my sin and your sin, the personal price, but also God poured out his wrath upon Jesus, that he took the wrath of God for your sins and my sins. He took that upon himself. 
And, and so he's holy. And because God is holy, he can't have relationship with unholy people. That's why he poured out his wrath. That's what I deserve. That's what you deserve. But Jesus lived that sinless life, and he laid that down as a substitute and a sacrifice for you and for me. And, and because sin can't be presence, can't be present in, in, in with a holy God in his presence, sin is anything that goes against what God says. And Jesus paid the price in full for you and for me. But here's the good news. It's paid in full. Every evil thought, Every action, every inaction, everything we, we did, everything we should have done that we didn't do. And, and when Jesus took our sin, God poured out his judgment and his wrath on Jesus because sin has to be judged. Jesus took your judgment. Jesus took my judgment upon him at the cross as a substitute. And evil has been eradicated the punishment, the price of evil in my life, the price that, that, that you owe for evil in your life, Jesus took your place. Jesus took my place. So the first thing about, we're saved from that judgment. The first thing is so important when we talk about salvation. What is salvation? Jesus came to save you from your sins. But here's the second thing, and this is real important as well. Jesus came to save you from your enemy. Jesus came to save you from your enemy. Every one of us has an enemy. We've, we've talked about this before. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus talks about the enemy. He calls him a thief. And he says, the thief came, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's your enemy. That's my enemy. That's Satan. But Jesus said, I've come that you would have life, and that life would be more abundant. The God life that you were created for. So many times we settle for less than God's best. And so Satan has one mission, and that's to destroy you, to destroy me, because we bear the image of God. We look like our Heavenly Father, and he's relentless. He's relentless with his lies, his attacks, his intimidation. And, and as I said, he wants to steal, he wants to kill and destroy. And Jesus' death on the cross disarmed the enemy. And Jesus showed us that he has all power and all authority over our enemy, and so we have to take a stand. That's what this armor of God, spiritual warfare, SWAT, spiritual warfare and tactics is all about. We have to take a stand and not allow him to have access and inroads into our lives any longer because Jesus defeated him. But he's going to look, he's going to probe, he's going to tempt, he's going to intimidate, he's going to lie, he's going to try to do all that he can to get us off track. On the cross is where Jesus himself took our sin and all the evil of the world around him, the evil of poverty, racism, sexual assault, mass shootings, and every manner of injustice that you can imagine, Jesus paid for it. Through Jesus' death and his resurrection, he saves us from the power of sin and the power of Satan. And he rescued us and our dying world because one day Jesus will come back again and he will restore everything to the way that it should be. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And people still make their choices, and they still choose evil. And that's a big part of spiritual warfare and tactics, this SWAT series, is that we need to choose, not my will, God, your will be done. Instead of making choices, because there is evil in the world by choice. People make evil choices. And so, listen, you, you, can, 
you can be saved and still struggle with sin. That, that's a real big part of it, but the whole point is this, and I love this. Because of Jesus, we're free to struggle. We're not struggling to be free. Man, that's, that's like the money shot of this message. Because of Jesus, we're free to struggle with sin. We are struggling with it. We're not struggling to get free of it. The power of sin's broken. We have the power as Christians uh, that have received Christ as our Savior. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we can overcome sin in our lives. We can say no to sin. A person that doesn't have Christ in their life, that, that, that doesn't uh, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, they can't overcome sin. You're just trading like, like one addiction for another. They're just trapped. Because of Jesus, we're free to struggle. We're all still struggling with sin. Doesn't mean we're sinless. We're still struggling. We still have to choose. As I said before, not my will, Lord, yours be done. But, but someone who doesn't know Christ as their Savior can't do God's will. Doesn't even want to do God's will. They're struggling to be free. But because of Jesus Christ, we're free to struggle, to say no I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to resist that temptation, and I'm going to do God's will instead. So let me ask you this question. What enemy, what enemy fire has you pinned down right now? He, he's just firing, fiery dart. Shoot, 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 shoot. What has the enemy got you pinned down in your life from his fire? Maybe it is an, is it an addiction. You've been trying to stay clean and beat that addiction to alcohol, to porn, to heroin, but you still seem stuck. You still feel like you're a slave to it. Well, remember, we're not struggling to be free. We're free to struggle because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Or, or maybe, maybe the enemy's got you pinned down uh, from past mistakes that you've made. Maybe it was an affair. Maybe it was an arrest. Maybe it was a divorce. And the enemy is shooting you full of bullets of guilt and condemnation that keeps you from moving forward to receive forgiveness and grace and hope. What has the enemy got you pinned down? What, 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 what fiery darts, what bullets is he shooting at you? Though we have salvation, God also rescued you and I from guilt and from condemnation. And he rescues you and I from shame. That's what salvation is. He's rescuing us from condemnation. He rescues us from letting sin be the final word. I, I love what the Christian author, A.W. Po, uh, Tozer, A.W. Tozer, he's not a poser, he's a Tozer. A.W. Tozer actually said, look at, look at what he said. In reality, and I love this, just even coming up on Good Friday, in reality, salvation was brought not by Jesus' fists, but by his nail-pierced hands. Jesus Christ, our Lord, surrendered in order that he might win. He surrendered and he won. He destroyed his enemies by dying for them. And he conquered death by allowing death to conquer him. Just let that sizzle in your spirit right now. Just let that sizzle in your spirit. I, I mean, you could spend a week just 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 contemplating those words that's how jesus was victorious that's how in reality salvation was brought not by his fist but by his nail-pierced hands i love that 
when it comes to this, uh, this helmet of salvation, it's kind of interesting, uh, the purpose of the Roman helmet, uh, as Paul is writing this, and we talked about before, he's under house arrest, he's probably looking at a Roman centurion because there was one station there in his home uh, on house arrest. But the interesting thing about the Roman helmet uh, in their armor was this, that it was, the purpose was to protect the Roman soldier from a broadsword uh, to the head, someone taking a gash to the head, or of course an arrow as well. But the thing was, it was so heavy and so uncomfortable that they only wore these just immediately before they went into to an attack, to a charge. Otherwise, they wouldn't be wearing these around. They probably were sitting on a table or they're under their arm, you know, or, or something like that. But I, I remember when I started playing football, like, these were heavy. And, and you'd have to do all these different neck rolls and exercise to strengthen your neck because it would really cause strain on your neck. Same thing with uh, Roman armor. They wouldn't wear their helmets around just for, uh, to look pretty or, or anything like that. Uh, it, it was meant for actual, when they were engaged uh, in warfare or, or in an attack. Otherwise, they'd hold it in their arm or they'd have it sitting nearby them. But then when it was time to go into battle, watch this now, then they'd gear up. Now, that being said, isn't it interesting that Paul says, you and I need to do this all the time. In other words, he says, don't ever be without your helmet. The helmet of salvation. Why? Because we're constantly under attack. There's not a, for a Christian, there's not a moment of peace. There's all kinds of lies. There's all kinds of uh, the, the enemies trying to intimidate us. He's trying to uh, uh, provoke us. He's trying to tempt us. And so we, we don't ever need to leave the house without having our helmet on. The helmet of salvation. We always need to have it. The helmet was uncomfortable and it was heavy. But you always, you only wore it before an attack. And Paul's saying, don't ever leave without it. Because we're constantly under attack. To put on that helmet is what Paul is saying. Put on that helmet to keep us safe from, can I put it this way, Satan's snipers. Satan's snipers. Because the enemy wants to get a kill shot in on you and me. And he knows if he can get one of his lies into your head, he'll keep you from fulfilling everything God created you for. Your purpose. Just one shot. That's why we can't even give him one day without wearing the helmet of salvation. And so let me put it this way. I think it's so important. Don't let the enemy get in your head. Don't let the enemy get in your head. As coaches, we used to talk. I, I used to coach my quarterbacks all the time on how to, we'd say, get in the helmet of the defense. I said, this is how you get in the helmet of the defense. And I would teach them all these little tiny things that, that defensive players are watching the quarterback. And so when you run into a draw play, I'd always encourage my, my quarterbacks right before a draw play. Some of you don't know football, so you, this is going to be totally Greek to you. But I always encourage them, lick their hands before a draw play. Because the defense sees you licking your hands, and they're thinking, oh, he's passing. He's passing. Oh, no, he handed off. Just all these little tiny things. Sometimes I, I, I would encourage them, if you know you're throwing to the left, if that looks like it's going to be the read, you just lock on. And pretend like you're kind of making some kind of eye contact with the wide receiver on the right. The defense is like, oh boy, play's going this way. Nope, boom, going that way. 
All these little things. So really, really important. Getting in the head, getting in the helmet of your enemy. Well, you know what? Your enemy, my enemy, he wants to get into our heads. Little tiny things is the way he gets into our heads. There's three ways that the enemy does this. First of all, uh, he causes us to justify and rationalize sin. Just justify and rationalize sin. Instead of running from it, maybe you're, you're living with someone, you're not married to them. You know it doesn't please God, but your boyfriend, he's just so sweet and he's so cute and, and he's so supportive and he's just the best guy you've ever met, doggone it. Well, then marry him. Marry him. You, you, you think God must, must, must really want you to be together. No, don't justify, don't rationalize sin. Don't, don't play married if you're not married. That, that's one of the fiery darts. Recognize this. The enemy is stealing from you. He is stealing God's best from you just by justifying and rationalizing sin. Don't let the enemy into your head. It's one of the number one ways that he gets into our helmet, gets into our helmet of salvation. Number two is this, talking you out of taking risks for God. He loves to talk you out of taking risks for God, and that's what faith is. Faith is taking that next step. Faith is moving forward, just like Pastor Randy did such a a great job of explaining uh, last week in our series. Maybe God's calling you to the front lines. Uh, What is it that God is calling you to? Active faith, as Pastor Randy was talking about. Some of you are in high school, and uh, you wanted to invite someone to, uh, to church you know, maybe even Easter, one of your friends, and, and the enemy's just lying to you like, nah, man, you do that, they're going to think you're some kind of religious Jesus freak or something like that. And he's just whispering in your ear, don't, don't take that risk. No, man, you're, man everyone's going to think you're just, you're weird. You're going to lose all your friends. Listen, let me just say this. Don't let the enemy get in your head. Don't let the enemy get in your helmet. Put on the helmet of salvation. Here's the third thing that <laughs> the enemy does. Get in our helmets, get in our heads. Friendly fire. <laughs> Friendly fire. This is when you accidentally uh, shoot someone on your own side. Yeah, I'm talking about your spouse. Uh, I'm talking about your kids. I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about a coworker. When you just blow up on them. Something's going on, we all have stress, we all have pressure, and, and, and we take it out too many times on people that have nothing to do with it. Friendly fire. And there's, there's hurt, there's pain, there's a broken relationship right there. That's the enemy that's gotten up into our heads in the helmet of salvation. Don't let the enemy get in your head. See, you and I, it's so important, we have to learn how to filter our thoughts, to really filter our thoughts. Now, when I was little, uh, growing up here in Hopewell, uh, my, my mom used to always, she'd take these little uh, index cards and she would write out Bible verses. And she would use a magnet and she'd put it on the refrigerator. And you know, I'm, I'm a teenage boy. <laughs> When I was a teenager and I had two older brothers, I have two older brothers and a younger sister, and 
you know, three teenage boys, we eat a lot in our house. You know, you just uh, kind of like have a hollow leg or something, like constantly going to the fridge and eating and eating. And, and we would always end up having, you know, as we're going to the fridge, you, you're reading these things, these little cards, these Bible verses. And I remember this one, and, and my mom used to call it the Philippians 4.8 filter that, that just challenged us as, as her children, her three sons and her daughter, you know, to think about the right things. This is how we filter our thoughts through God's word. Look at what it says, Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Mama just called it the Philippians four filter. Finally, brothers and sisters, <laughs> Russ, Scott, Greg, Becky Williamson, that's, what, that's how we applied that to our lives. Whatever is true, whatever's noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is beautiful, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about these things. I remember mom teaching us that, that we just need to filter our thoughts that we have every day, all the time, that helmet of salvation, through Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And uh, man, I, I don't even know if, if all refrigerators, you know, you can put magnets on them <laughs> anymore. But, but I encourage you parents, this, this, this helped me so much as a young man. That, that when things were going on and all, I would just hear my mom's voice in my ear, <laughs> you know, in my mind. Honey, you need to filter that through Philippians 4, 8. Those thoughts, those feelings, those ideas, those impressions, those temptations. Honey, you need to filter those thoughts through Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. We need to learn how to filter. If Satan can uh, stop you from being effective on earth, you'll, you'll never feel and experience that deep fulfillment that God created you and me for by living life the way he created you and I to live. So if he can just keep us from focusing on these things, this Philippians 4, 8 filter We'll live below and we'll never find that sense of fulfillment that God created each and every one of us to live in relationship to him. And so because Satan knows that he can keep you stuck so you don't take ground, you don't become victorious in your life, if you're stuck, you can't, you can't be victorious in battle. And so Satan will whisper all kinds of lies to you that totally contradict this filter, this Philippians 4.8 filter. He'll plant them in your mind and, and nurture them. Lies like this. Let me just give you a couple of examples here. You're unworthy. You're unworthy. Why would God love, love you even after you stole money from your business? You've hurt so many people that are close to you. You're not worthy of God's love or really anyone else's. You're unloved. That fiery dart, that lie, you're unloved. You're single, everyone else is living together, getting married, and you've been doing it God's way, and it just seems like there's no one for you. God just doesn't even care. That's another lie. How about this one? You're not forgiven. You're unforgiven. 
you've done so many terrible things and hurt so many people, there's no way that God will ever forgive you. You're a nobody. You're a nobody. You know, maybe, maybe your, your family just moved from some other country into this, into this nation, and, and it feels like you're unwanted, you're an outsider. Maybe you've been here for years, but you just don't feel like that you fit in. It seems like you're really just invisible. Oh, you're a nobody. Satan's getting into your head, into your helmet. You're insignificant. There are more, much more important people in this world. There are bigger problems. You're just insignificant. God doesn't really care about you. He's too busy, you know, tackling the bigger issues in creation. You're insignificant. Satan's getting into your helmet. You need to filter those thoughts through the Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 filter. How about this one? You're a mistake. You're a mistake. Maybe your parents told you you're a mistake. Maybe your teachers and your friends told you you'll never add up to anything. You know, you're, you're just good for nothing. Satan is shooting those fiery darts, those fiery arrows, and we have our helmet off. We've got to put the helmet of salvation on, believing the truth of what God says, and filtering those thoughts through the Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 filter. See, Jesus wants to draw a line in the sand and put an end to all of these lies in your mind and in my mind as well. Because we're, he wants to expose the enemy and his work and his lies and, and, and his weapons and his tactics. That's what this whole series is really about. He may still try them, but they're not going to stick anymore because we're going to use the weapons, we're going to use the armor, God's armor that he's given to you and he's given to me because we're going to come against those attacks and with the truth of God and we're going to wear the helmet of salvation. And you know what the helmet of salvation is? I was just thinking about it. It's a brain cleaner. That's what the helmet of salvation is. It's, it's a brain cleaner. It's a, it's a mind renewer. That's what the truth of God's word, the helmet of salvation really is. So let, let's look at these once again and, and let's begin to dis extinguish these flaming arrows. So when the enemy says, I'm unworthy, salvation says, no, nope, I'm holy and blameless. Now this is pretty cool because every single one of these lies that I just laid out there just as examples Earlier on in the book of Ephesians, which we've been reading together week after week, this week, Ephesians 5, read it every single day, the scripture, the truth of God's word dismantles every single one of those lies that I said, every single example I just gave. So when the enemy says, I'm unworthy, salvation, that helmet of salvation, God says, no, I'm holy and blameless. Look what Ephesians chapter uh, 1 verse 4 tells us. For he, that's God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. God chose you to be holy and blameless. That's what God sees when you've received Christ as your Savior. That's how he looks at me. That's how he looks at you. Holy and blameless. And so, extinguish that fiery arrow right there, that lie where Satan's been getting into our head, into our helmet. How about this one? When the enemy says, I'm unloved. When the enemy says, I'm unloved. 
Salvation says, no, I'm eternally loved. I'm eternally loved. And again, we go back to God's word to extinguish that fiery arrow. Ephesians chapter one, verse four. I love this in a New Living Translation. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us to be in Christ, to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Even before he created the world, I'm, uh, that lie says that uh, I'm unloved, but God's word says, no, I'm eternally loved, forever eternally loved. The enemy says, I'm unforgiven. I'm unforgiven. You've messed up so bad, you've hurt so many people, there's no way God could ever forgive you. But salvation says, I'm forgiven. The helmet of salvation, what God's word says is, I've been forgiven. Not because I earn it, not because I deserve it, because of what Jesus Christ did. Look at it, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Y'all read this the first week. We all read this over and over in chapter 1. In him, that's Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace. Extinguishing that flaming arrow of our enemy. How about this one? Uh, The enemy says, I'm unknown. I'm unknown. Salvation says, no, you're chosen. God chose you. You're you're not a a name without a face to God. God chose you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. God has blessed you. He chose you. And he's blessed you, and he wants to pour out blessings on you and in your life and through your life. How about this lie? The enemy says, I'm insignificant. I'm insignificant, but salvation says, I'm raised with Christ. That that God resurrected me with Christ. That, that, That when God resurrected Christ, he did that for me as well. That's the promise I have to look forward to. That's what we're gonna be talking about at Easter at the Bardavon. Look at what the Bible says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Y'all read it, week number 2, as we're reading chapter 2. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That, that, that resurrection, that's why we celebrate it, because it's the preview of what he's going to do for you and what he's going to do for me. And so, I'm not insignificant, I'm raised up with Christ. How about this one? The enemy says, you're a mistake. You're a mistake. Salvation says... You're a masterpiece. God says, you're a masterpiece. You're beautiful. You're perfect. I created you just the way you are because you bring me joy. Look at what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. Turn turn to the person next to you right now, on your left or on your right. He's talking about you. You're a masterpiece. Go ahead, do that. You're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Before you drew your first breath, God already had planned out everything he wanted you to accomplish in your life. That's why your heart's beating right now. Because God has things for you to accomplish. He has a unique plan and purpose for you. You know, a wise soldier would never go into battle without headgear. A, a football player would never go into a game without his helmet. As Christians, we need to regularly cover and we need to protect our minds 
with the helmet of salvation. I think this includes real practically also monitoring, uh, you know, the thoughts that we have and rejecting them, the things that are not of God, gossip, criticism, immoral thoughts, self-condemnation, fear. Run those things through that Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, that Philippians filter right there. Let me end with this last passage. I think it's really cool, actually. And, and again, we have a whole lot of additional notes. I don't have time to go over in your app. I encourage you just to take time, look up those verses. We've got tons of scripture in there. And, and, and run your thoughts through the filter of God's truth about who you are, what the Bible says, that you are who you are and who I am. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, I love this. The Bible says, but since we belong to the day, there's a contrast between the dark the night being a, a metaphor for evil, the day being a metaphor for uh, light and, and God's power and love. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. Here's this idea again. See this armor of God. It pops up all throughout Scripture. And the hope of salvation as a helmet. See, when we allow salvation, what Jesus did, what he accomplished for you and me, through his sinless life and his sacrificial death on the cross as a substitute, took your place, took my place. I didn't deserve it. I can never earn it. Neither can you. It's the free gift of God. He paid the price. And then he rose again three days later. And that's what we'll celebrate at Easter, that great getting up morning. When we receive that free gift, of salvation we put on that helmet of salvation every day it brings us hope the enemy wants to kick you when you're down he, he wants to steal kill and destroy but god said i want you to have hope don't leave the house without the helmet of salvation i'm going to ask right now would you bow your heads with me let's pray heavenly father Lord, if we're real honest, so many of us, we don't utilize this helmet of salvation the way we should. Father, I pray that through this message today, for many of us, we have a better understanding of salvation, and just as we're going to look at it in a lot more detail as well on Easter at the Bardavon, God, I pray that you'd help us to remember what you said about us, what you've done for us through sending your son, Jesus Christ, as a sinless sacrifice pay the price for our personal sins and lord we would we would run our thoughts through that philippians 4 8 filter every thought that we have and we would extinguish those fiery arrows those lies that intimidation that condemnation that the enemy wants to just heap on us and we would suit up every morning and we would not forget the helmet of salvation that cost you everything through sending your son Jesus Christ to lay his life down for us. Thank you, Father. Right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you've never taken that first step of faith of receiving what Jesus Christ paid for, for you, forgiveness, through his sinless life and his sacrificial death and his resurrection from the dead. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
And so right now, I just want to give you an opportunity right now to just open your heart up and and pray and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Starting point in a relationship that he wants you to have with him that will grow stronger and deeper every single day. So if you've never done that before, I just invite you right now, open your heart up and repeat this prayer after me. You don't have to shout it out. You don't have to yell it, just even in a whisper. This is between you and God at this moment. Just repeat after me, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I turn from them now. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. And now I ask you, Jesus, to lead me, guide me, direct me from this day forward by your Holy Spirit, and I will follow you. Amen.